Hello, and welcome to the Communication Solution Podcast with Casey Jackson and John Gilbert. I'm your host, Danielle Canton. We love to talk about communication, we love to talk about solutions, and we love to talk about providing measurable results for individuals, organizations, and the communities they serve. Welcome to the communication solution that will change your world. Hi, listeners. This is Danielle Canton. We are here with the Communication Solution Podcast with Casey Jackson and John Gilbert. And we're here to talk about motivational interviewing. Um, it is has become one of my favorite topics. Um, this approach is being used to transform companies, help so many people. And this episode today, what I wanted to do, Casey and John, is dive in a little bit as your experts in motivational interviewing. Um, helping companies, how do you actually use this approach in your personal life? Is it possible to use motivational interviewing for your personal growth and development? Um, I'm kind of a geek around stuff like that. So I learn about this and I'm like, I want to use it on myself and everybody I know. So it's, you know, I would almost differentiate between using it on ourselves and using it for, you know, when you're communicating with other people, what, I'll just kind of launch with my thoughts and John dive in, in terms of if you break it down to the basic construct of motivational interviewing, it is, is behavior in alignment with values. So if you just take it there, then motivational being itself gets into how do you communicate to orchestrate that, facilitate that for long-term sustained behavior change. So when you take the basic components of it, it would just make sense that, well, if we're just taking those basic components, I want my behavior to align with my values, you know, and I want to have longer term behavior change. So the basics of it is like, yeah, that, that makes sense. When you get into the communication method, I think that's where you can have people probably splinter into different camps of, yes, you can use it on yourself. No, you can't use it on yourself. How would you know the difference between the resistance talk, the sustained talk, change talk? I think all those components um, are viable core constructs within motivational interviewing. But I can tell you in my personal life, I use it every single day. There's not a day that goes by that it doesn't go through my brain. And I can talk more about that. But John, what's what's your take as, as we toss that out there? Yeah, I know we had we had started uh, to talk about maybe going into personal development with it or personal growth and development as a possible first thing to start with. And the reason I say that is because that's going to be a different track than like you were saying, the personal life and using it with, not on, but with other people. Um, and and so my brain gravitates from that conversation towards the personal growth, like you were just talking about, if you're if you're open to go in that direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, and that's my intention. So what do you think about using it in, in personal yeah. growth for yourself? Yeah, yeah there, there's a concept that comes to mind that's really powerful that um, you had come up with years ago called the Focus Mountain that I think is really helpful. It relates to, for those that know Simon Sinek and the circle of why, why is in the middle, you know, what we do, how we do it is further outside the circle. For those that are knowing that there's just this concept called Focus Mountain that relates to this why and really getting clear about our why and digging into our why. And it seems so simple, but it has been very helpful for me at different times in my life. I can't say I've set up the environment uh, around me to necessarily make it easier to have uh, behavior around these insights I've had, but I will say there's something to be said about the insights that being aligned with your values can bring, and the focus mountain is a concept that can help with that, 
where you get clear of what you really, really, what are priorities and what are values and what are ways that you see aligning with your priorities and values and what are ways that maybe you aren't and what are some discrepancies. And Casey, to your point, we are, yeah, my interpretation uh, that relates to your point is we are masters at doing mental gymnastics to make ourselves feel comfortable and not have discrepancy. And I still do it to this day. Everyone on this call does. People listening, we all do it. Motivated reasoning, rationalizing. So there seems to be something important about processing things out loud that doesn't need to be psychotherapeutic. That can totally be MI or something else. But there is also value to what you introduced with that concept to just do exercises on a piece of paper and really get clear as to why you value this. Why? You, what does it get you? And that's what I've done with MI over the years that has been helpful. I can't say that, um, you know, there's no place for talking with someone about it. I think there's a big place for that. Um, but I do think there's value in these insights for us to get clear about what really, really matters and what we really feel about things. So that's that's what first comes to mind. You know, Danielle, what struck me, and I'll walk you through kind of when I was newer as a trainer, probably within the first three to four years as when I was training motivational interviewing, when I first thought about, I think it's what John is differentiating, like when I started to use it with my son versus when I started to use it on myself. And I'll take the path when I started to use it with myself, like the construct with myself. And I, and I remember exactly what the topic was. This was actually after my, the daughters were born is when I could really specifically remember this with the twins. And cause I'm a little bit of an older dad. And I was traveling a ton training, motivational interviewing, just traveling a ton, way pre, 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 pre COVID, um, a lot of time on the road and my just gaining weight from, you know, even though I was standing a lot, but just eating a lot and just not working out and all these things, but cholesterol was just not in a good place at all. Actually, it was horrible. <laughs> and, and I remember, I still remember that, and this was so specific that I, I just am not a morning person either. So when I'm not a morning person and then when I train all day, I'm not an evening person as far as going and working out. I just mostly want to go collapse on a bed in a hotel room and stream chopped for 12 hours and just fall into a coma. So that's what I tend to want to do when I'm on the road, um, which is not a healthy pattern. Um, so, but what I remember when I was running it through an MI lens is I can get so crystal clear what my core values are, which is about my integrity as a parent, as a father, my desire for health and well-being, and how so many of my behaviors were in alignment with my values and around my health, my behaviors were not in line with my values. How I broke it down even further, because what we know is when you move to helping people get to a plan, you want confidence high, you want importance high and confidence high. So importance was very high for me. I knew I could exercise, but I just didn't like to do it. And I, to this day, I still don't like to do it. But I remember this conversation when I was laying in bed in a hotel room, and I used the importance confidence ruler on myself. And when I got in the habit of doing, of going, if this is this important to you, you don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to work out for half an hour. But do you have five minutes to just physically, literally, and I remember doing this. I literally rolled out of the bed, out of the sheets, onto the floor and did five push-ups because my confidence was really high. I could do that. And then when I did that, I ended up doing another 15 push-ups. And then I rolled on my back and I started doing just some sit-ups. 
which was better than if I'd laid there and debated it. Because I thought, can you just do five? Can you just roll out of bed, hit the floor, do five push-ups, and then get ready for work to go do a training? And that is that's always my reset button is I can just roll out of bed, hit the floor, and do five push-ups, that which end up being 20 push-ups. Then I end up laying on my back and doing at least 50 sit-ups. And that's better than doing nothing. And it, it's just, and that would increase my confidence to just kind of get into it. It's just don't sign up for a gym membership. Don't do all these things that you are not going to follow through on. And, and so the way I would construct in my brain is how important is it to you to be there for your children in the long run and have a quality of health where they're not taking care of you earlier than they need to? That's a 10 for me. How confident are you going to do it? Well, if I can find something I can do, will you just do this? Yeah, I'll totally do that. And that's how you can try to get your behavior to start to line up with your long-term behavior. That's so awesome. I, I was going to inter- interrupt you a couple of times before you were done, but you just resolved it with a nice wrap up on, I haven't heard you talk about confidence level high. Yeah. So that's really, really helpful and so important because like you said, you were you going to roll out of bed and, you know, strap on all the gear to go to the gym? No, but you were no. like, yeah, I can totally just flop onto the floor. And then, you know, once you take that initial action, you're going to, you're going to actually probably Move do more with than- it more than what you and then I would never expect more than that from myself especially in the beginning but what happened is it was just such a routine then where I would get set up is because you know the 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 double-edged sword of being such close friends with John is I knew I didn't have the confidence to be as healthy as John is you know because that's a that's a lifestyle commitment that he has and so the level of intention he has around working out the level of intention of eating healthy seemed insurmountable to me. I mean, I admired it. I wanted to have that dedication to it. I've gotten closer from where I was to where I am now, but honestly, that was my conversion. John and I were, that's when he and I used to co-train a ton together, you know, and, and travel a lot and co-train. And I remember when he showed me, um, one single video on, um, plant-based eating. And from that day forward, I haven't eaten meat. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, the slaughtering of baby lambs or, you know, those perspectives, it was just, it was so mathematical around health and disease that it was like, well, would you put down cigarettes if you saw all this? And I'm somebody that would, because I do care enough about my health. So that's something I would have never, (laughs) my confidence probably would have been a zero. If somebody said, you're going to go plant-based diet and not eat meat anymore. I probably said, oh yeah, that's not going to happen. But I watched one particular video and it was just like, it was a no brainer because to continue that, my behavior would not have been in line with my values and goals as far as my health. Like, I don't want to bring the top 15 diseases onto my body by choice. Like, why would I? That's just, that's insanity. Like, I would never do that. So then it was like, oh, I don't, I don't, you know, then I talked to John about well, what was plant-based diet look like and, and all the, the naive questions about, you know, well, how do you get in? If you're not eating meat, where's your protein and all this stuff? And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, but the importance was so sky high to think I don't want to, I don't want to bring disease into my body by the way that I eat. Mm-hmm. Like that was just, that just seemed ridiculous to me. And so something that I would have thought I would add zero confidence on was immediate. My behavior changed and that's been, shoot, I don't, you wouldn't know, John, but I, I would say probably eight years now that I've been uh, predominantly a vegetarian or pescatarian-ish diet. Well, and, and related to this too, when we think about like our own process, that there's this, you know, in this case with health, there's a spectrum and just remembering like, is all or nothing thinking, does that resonate for that type of person to really help them 
go for it, right? Some people, that's going to completely set them up for not success and thinking about a spectrum of eating and what are you doing the majority of the time. For a lot of people in the beginning, that's going to set them up. But it depends to what you picked up, Danielle. I was looking up uh, the name of the author here for a book with MI for us to think about this for ourselves. It's called How to Do Motivational Interviewing, a Guidebook for Beginners by Bill Matulich. I couldn't remember uh, Bill's name. <laughs> but uh, anyways, it's a wonderful book getting into how MI, it's oversimplified to put this in this way, and he would even say that. But is this an importance issue or is this a confidence issue? And it can be really helpful, like, oh, this is really important, but I, I just have really low confidence. Or this really isn't that important, but I'm really confident I could do something about it. And just to recognize that inside yourself, like what's really worth it. And sometimes it's deciding to get insight as to what really, really, really matters and do a lot of work around your why, like I was doing with the Focus Mountain and values. And for some people, it's just starting a process with something that's at least kind of worth it, you know? So it's not like you have to have a 10 out of 10 importance and a 10 out of 10 confidence. It might be more like a five, six, seven, or eight on each of those. But if there's enough importance there that I always like to joke in our culture without bidets and toilet paper being right there on the uh, on the shelf or whatever, if it's just right there, I don't need to self-reflect a bunch about how important it is to keep the toilet paper on the toilet paper roll. I don't like go around using the mountain to think about that of the why. It's just I built my environment for that just to be an automatic thing that I don't have to think about. It's a habit that it's just so easy to do. It's just an automatic thing. And so just recognizing in our own behavior change process, is this an importance issue for Casey well-being, having his girls and that whole thing became way high. And then there was information that came out that you can pay attention to around certain decisions that for some people, they wouldn't take it as intense or as extreme as Casey did. And But they would pay attention and make decisions over time. Whereas Casey was like... I'm going to go full on cold turkey with this particular area. And some people, even some change along the way, and it doesn't have to be that change, by the way. Processed foods and other things are way worse than what you were getting at that, that people consume more of. But I just say that just keeping in mind this is a spectrum. And where are you at with your importance? Where are you at with your confidence? And what helps you to do something that gets momentum, that builds habits, that creates an environment that helps you. It might mean you need to talk with someone about the importance because you keep tricking yourself that this is important, but I never do anything about it. Or it might mean that you got to do some self-journaling and and or talk with yourself like Casey did. But there's got to be a there there for you to get clear on something, to step up and do something. And that's where, Casey, that was a great example of, I think, you talking in a conversation with yourself to do that. You know, and I would almost take it a step back as you're as you were explaining, walking through that, John, I would take it a step back even further. And this is from, you know, when I was prepping for that conversation with Dr. William Miller um, and being able to interview him in reading the whole book on second thought, I think I'd take it in a step back further when we're thinking about motivational learning to just the the amount of ambivalence that any human being has on any given day. 
like how many choices do we have on any given day? And I think that takes it even back to a, a broader range because yes, people want to change behavior. Yes, I want to be more motivated. Yes, I want to find things that are important. Yes, I want my behavior in line with my values. But when you think about the construct of motivational interviewing, it's how do you help people work through their own ambivalence even prior to even getting to a plan? And I think that the level of application of just realizing that this method of communication looks at the fact that we are given so many different choices on any given day. Um, you know, do I stay in the job? Do I stay in the relationship? Do I leave the relationship? Do I have children? Do I, you know, stay in this friend group? Do I, you know, continue to post these things online if anybody's paying attention? Do I need to stay what, what I believe this political belief is? You know, we just have so much internal debate on any given day to have some sort of a blueprint or a structure to be able to help reconcile those and not wonder if we're just spitting in the wind, you know, like, does this, is this a, is my behavior having a net effect on anything that's improving the quality of my life? Where I tie this back to what you brought up, John, is whether you go with the Simon Sinek side of it or with the Focus Mountain side of it that, you know, I worked on either way, what you're looking at is fundamentally, am I becoming closer to who I want to be? Or have decades passed and in some ways I just feel like, have I had any growth whatsoever in my life? Am I just in a different environment feeling and thinking the same thing? Or am I recreating the same relationships over and over and over again? Or am I having a lack of relationships over and over and over again? And am I still blaming outside of myself, you know, and thinking I just can't find good quality people to socialize with or to date? You know, I, I just, <laughs> I think that's just the nature of the human experience on one hand. And then you superimpose that with a mainstream American culture, which is becoming more of a mainstream global culture about how divisive and how blanketing social media is that people start to lose sight of who they actually are. And then we're really in a conundrum because then you think, how do you get out of this situation where people can't even think for themselves because they're deferring to somebody on their phone that they don't even know to make decisions for how they put on their makeup? Like, it's like, whoa, that's that's just fascinating that we've lost that much sight of who we are. So, so I can go really macro mezzo with this to the, you know, really looking at a, at a, you know, social cultural perspective. And then I can just drop it straight back down to how do I resolve my ambivalence about really critical things in my life? How do I make decisions in a way that I feel okay with that decision a year from now, five years, 10 years from now, whether it's signing up for gym, whether it's having children, whether it's, you know, what school to put them in, whether it's to, you know, do I continue to hang out with this friend group when I know it's not good for me? You know, do I continue to drink like that? I mean, just all those things that people deal with on any given day. It's like this wonderful, it's like this wonderful construct that you mentioned blueprint. It's like a blueprint for like, how do I get through the day? Yes. Really, really deeply rooted in my values and who I like what you said who I want to become, who I want to be, always striving, growing to be more and more of that person. So it's really wonderful. It's like I'm hearing it's it's a blueprint. Whereas when you think of motivational interviewing, you could think of the communication piece, right? And how yes. people yes. Help facilitate, you know, people coming into their own thought process. Well, use the same principles and approach for yourself. And you can exactly. either have like a literal conversation, like you may have had that conversation in bed out loud about, hey, get on the floor. Yes, my confidence is high. Or yes. it could have been inside your head. But either way, you know, John John explained it as, you know, he reflects a lot. So maybe his isn't verbal, but everybody's got their own approach to how they would guide themselves 
through, through their own ambivalence. That's exactly it. And, yeah. you know, I, I, when I think of classes that I actually even developed, they, they were because of what I did in my personal life. The first time that I started doing a parenting class was because of the way that I'd adjusted my parenting based on this. When I started doing relationships workshops, it was literally because of how profound it was on my relationship, on my marriage. So it, and, and when, specifically just like with the rolling out of bed and hitting the floor thing to this day, the reason, the reason why I apply it every single day in my life is because I have twin 13 year olds uh, and I'm married. So every single day there's potential for conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's every single day there's potential for growth. And it's not about how this is what John's point was. It's not how I use MI on them because that's not motivational interviewing. It's ironically is my behavior in alignment with my values? It's not how do I get them to do what I need them to do because that fundamentally is not motivational interviewing. It's fundamentally, am I being the spouse that I am that I see self-respect in myself or how I'm handling the situation? Because on any given day, there's what I want to do and there's what's healthy. And usually what I want to do <laughs> as a parent sometimes, I just want to have a reaction. I want to say, do your stupid homework. Don't argue with me. Those are the, that's the first thoughts that go through my brain because that's the way I was raised. That's culturally watch any TV show. That's mm-hmm. the way we were raised. So to stop your brain for a second and go, if you watch that, does that align with who you want to be as a father? No, it does not. Then don't say it. What would align with it? Well, I want to empower them. So what do you need to do to make sure that you're embodying that? Not what do they need to do? To be right. compliant with who you want them to be. That that fundamental shift is a very complex shift, especially like in a marriage or in a relationship. Because it's like, well, you said, you promised, we said this, we agreed to this. All these things where you're blaming outside of yourself, which fundamentally is going to create resistance. It's just math. Instead of stopping and going, that is not the kind of partner that I want to be. I want to be a partner that I can look at my behavior and go, okay, that behavior is above reproach. And you cannot control your partner. That's all you have control over. And that is that that blueprint is a monolithic shift in thinking. Um, if you think about it, it's, it's also in relation to, yes, being a father, a husband, um, but also your career or your business or whatever it is yes. you're doing, because that's what I love. And, and we heard loud and clear, right, from, from listeners, viewers, all the people you train in your yes. community, they want this. They want this topic. And yes. that's why you're yes. going to do... Uh, the new training, be the change. It's yes. like, how do you use motivational interviewing in your, for your personal growth and development? Um, people need this so badly and it will benefit everything that they do, even in business or the workplace. Um, when you kind of put yourself first, is that That's a fair it. assessment? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah. Every, I know everybody's kind of going gaga over this, this new training. Um, so I think it's pretty cool that we're doing this podcast and and exploring it more, and that you're you're really bringing this approach to people. So, um, and I'd really like to expand more because I had about five thousand different thoughts of how many different <laughs> angles of this to take. If people are interested, I know I could dive into this a lot more, um, as this is a wide open area when we get into just the tip of the iceberg of this in personal development that we alluded to a lot of things we could dive into there um, that I won't even mention. Like a second podcast? 
This has been part one of a two-part podcast. We hope you'll join us for the second portion. Thank you for listening to the Communication Solution Podcast with Casey Jackson and John Gilbert. As always, this podcast is about empowering you on your journey to change the world. So if you have questions, suggestions, or ideas, send them our way at Casey at IFIOC.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y at IFIOC.com. For more information or to schedule a training, visit IFIOC.com. Until our next communication solution podcast, keep changing the world.